This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Oh, you got her, dude. She's down. Let's go. Dude, I just shot a deer of a lifetime. Freaking smoked him. One with nature, and if you're a believer, one with God. Definitely gets your heart pumping. Boy, you are in trouble. Fall Obsession Podcast. Welcome back, guys, to another Fall Obsession Podcast episode. I am Sam Thrash with Fall Obsession, and I am once again hosting you guys for this week's podcast. Appreciate you guys tuning in to another week's episode. This week... I have another first-timer on our podcast. He is one of our own staff members, field staffer in Colorado, and that is Mr. Tony Dymick. Tony, welcome to Fall Obsession Podcast. Thanks, Sam. It's great to be here. Uh, excited to, to get my feet wet in this and hopefully uh, really jump on board and get more out to the folks on the, these topics. Absolutely. Yeah, we're, we're happy to have you on board. And uh, for those who, who don't know, which you probably do have a hint after hit and play and seeing the title of the episode, but kind of our our theme for this week's podcast is hunter and outdoor education, and we're kind of going to cover some topics that revolve around that um, here with you guys this week. But before we get into the meat of our conversation, Tony, I'm going to turn it over to you and give you the opportunity just to kind of introduce yourself uh, with it being your first time on our podcast and tell folks a little bit about yourself. Okay. Um, well, again, my name's Tony Dimick. I'm a Colorado native. Um, those are kind of come, becoming scarce here in Colorado, but I am a native, so very well versed in my my lovely state here. Uh, my background in outdoors is, uh, you know, I think uh, as soon as I could carry a stick like a gun with my dad in the uh, fields of Nebraska, um, I was out there, you know, traipsing behind him, chasing whitetails as a little guy. And, and it just stuck with me. Um, you know, he took me angling and hunting and, 
And somehow down the road through many different uh, career changes, I found myself at Colorado Parks and Wildlife, where I was a hunter and angler um, outreach and wildlife education uh, for the Northeast region there. And uh, so that was, uh, you know, really, really kind of cemented it for me with the safety um, of hunter education and, and, and next steps on that. Um, additionally to that, with Parks and Wildlife for 10 years, I um, currently with a fly shop here in the Denver metro area. Um, we sell fly fishing equipment, and uh, I also get the privilege of uh, teaching out of there as well. So I do fly fishing 101, 201, and 301. And if that wasn't enough uh, to keep me busy, um, I also work for a place here in South Denver. It's called the Backcountry Wilderness Area of uh, Highlands Ranch. And it's a conservation easement where wildlife is uh, protected for the greater good of wildlife and for people to come out and be educated by them. So this literally just butts up to the south part of the Denver metro area. And it's a it's a hidden uh, wonderland of some amazing wildlife, some trophy uh, mule deer, some trophy elk, turkeys, you name it, they are on there. The one thing that I wish it had was a little river that ran through it so I could cast a line out there. But, uh, <laughs> you know, we take what we can get. So in a nutshell, that's that's uh, Tony here in Colorado. <laughs> well, very good. So with your with your background in, and I'll, I'll kind of narrow it down right now to the hunting and angling outreach that you did. Um, so so obviously with something like that and involved in hunter education, um, I, I know you mentioned to me in kind of in our pregame before that um, you're not an actual certified instructor, but I'm assuming you were pretty involved in in those hunter ed programs and everything in Colorado. Give us, yeah. Give us a little bit more detail on on what what that job specifically entailed. What what did you what did you do with with that? So, what with the many hats that I did wear at Colorado Parks and Wildlife, I just didn't find the time to become a hunter um, education instructor. However, I worked uh, very close with them. Um, as a matter of fact, Colorado has a wonderful volunteer network of hunter education um, instructors, and so it allows people to get hunter education at the last minute if they really need it, because there's just so many programs. Now, COVID's kind of slowed that down a little bit, and, and we'll go into a little bit more detail about that. But what we found with uh, hunter education is we would say, and we'll just throw out a number out there, say we had a thousand students go through hunter education this year, well, we would go back and see the history of what are those thousand doing now that they become hunter, edu- you know, hunter educated, uh, certified. And we were finding that there was a very low percentage of people actually purchasing licenses. Well, through surveys of asking people why it was, um, you know, they loved hunter education. They got very excited, but when they got their, you know, their certificate card. Um, you know, they were kind of turned loose that they could go buy a license, but it was kind of like, well, that's great, but how do I hunt? And so at Colorado Parks and Wildlife, um, a team of folks came together and developed a hunter outreach program, and it was a means of a next step for people. So um, they could come to seminars, they could go to clinics, they could actually um, qualify for uh, mentored hunts in what's called the Novice Hunter Program. Um, basically it's a one day course, uh, that would take them four hours in the classroom and learn everything they need to know about pheasants, um, how to hunt them, their habitat, 
um, equipment that they would need, places to go. And then the rest of the uh, eight hours of the day, the last half would be four hours in the field and we would do a, a simulated pheasant hunt. Uh, we'd use frisbees and uh, dummy rounds in their shotguns and people could go bang, bang, you know, click, click, uh, shooting at the different colors of frisbees, blue being rooster, pink being hen. And so that would get people to learn how to hunt together safely. So now they had that next step and give them a little bit extra. Um, then that would qualify for them to actually sign up with us. Uh, they would get uh, emails from us about the instructions and we would go um, take them on mentored hunts. We'd actually meet them out in Eastern Colorado um, and take them on an all day hunt on land that parks and wildlife actually set aside for graduates of that program. So um, oh, cool. they could go on the mentored hunts with us and they could go out and hunt on their own without, you know, without running into seasoned hunters to actually pressure them on the land. So that's, that's a small example of, of a big, big picture of the type of hunter outreach that goes on at Colorado Parks and Wildlife. Gotcha. Well, very cool. Thank you for sharing that. So kind of diving into to some of our conversation, wanting to talk kind of specifically about hunter and outdoor education and stuff. And obviously Colorado is going to be our, our reference for this episode because that's obviously where you're from, what you're familiar with. Um, but I know you had some things um, regarding some apprentice hunter certificates, some other classes and statistics, stuff like that regarding hunter ed that you wanted to share share with us yeah. uh, today. So I'm going to turn it over to you and, and kind of let you open it open up into that and uh and we'll dive in sure so a couple of things one is a little side note that i thought this would just be uh, kind of fun for our our lady hunters out there um in 2016 colorado legislature it was uh, actually senate bill 16-068 um passed this law that allowed um our lady hunters to actually wear uh, fluorescent pink garments. So just like uh, we've always had to during rifle seasons um, wear orange, um, now uh, a fluorescent pink is acceptable. So I thought that'd be kind of cool to throw that out there. I think a few other states are jumping on board with that. And um, just a little side note that people might want to be aware of if they're coming to Colorado, whether you're wearing pink or the hunter orange or the fluorescent orange, um, make sure that you've got a, a garment on the outside of your body. So no matter what kind of layering, you've always got that orange or pink on the outside, 500 square inches on the body and a hat that shall be uh, visible from all directions. So, um, and, and for the ladies, they can certainly mix pink, um, fluorescent pink and daylight fluorescent. So I thought that was a neat little side note to throw in there. I had not heard uh, that yet. That's pretty cool. Yeah. A little change on that. So anyway, um, you know, I got to hand it to Colorado. Uh, they, they're always coming up with ways to take down barriers to get people into uh, hunting. And uh, one of those things is uh, they actually, uh, this was a few years ago, um, introduced a program called the Apprentice Hunter Certificate um, Holder. So what that means is, uh, well, what again, this was another thing is why weren't people coming into hunting? And some folks were saying, you know, that's kind of a, a barrier. Do I really want to invest a day doing an online course or whatever um, to get the certificate? And that turns out I don't like hunting. So to make it simple, um, Colorado 
waived that requirement for one year. Um, these are for folks that are 10 years or older. Um, it would be uh, 10, uh, 12 years older if it's, if they were hunting a big game. Uh, the requirement for that, so they would get this hunter uh, a certificate for their apprentice uh, a free. It would be absolutely free and it would be printed on um, a, a license for them. So that way the wildlife officer knew this was all on the up and up. Uh, the uh, requirement is that uh, apprentice has to be with uh, a mentor within voice and visual contact uh, of that mentor at all times in the field. So um, voice does not mean um, radio. It means, you know, you and I talking to each other, Sam, if we were, you know, 10 feet apart, you and I could hear each other. Right. Uh, visual doesn't mean binoculars. Visual means uh, I can hear you. I can see you very close to me. So it's really cool requirements on that. Um, the mentor requirements to be able to take uh, these folks into the field is they have to be 18 years or older. They have to have a hunter um, education certificate themselves. They have to carry that proof of age and hunter education while in the field with their apprentice. And they can actually take two apprentices up at a time in the field. So um, a, a really cool barrier that was brought down to get people out there. And then, of course, after that uh, one year was uh, complete, that would really give the individual a chance to evaluate. Did I like hunting? Was this something I want to uh, learn Hopefully they had a good mentor that didn't uh, muddy the waters too much. That way the hunter, uh, uh, hunter education um, instructor won't have to clean such a, a dirty sponge and, and uh, get them back on the right track. So right. I think it's a, been a great program for Colorado. Very cool. That That is, that's awesome that guys are getting the opportunity to, to be able to go out there and experience it, you know, gives them the opportunity to, uh, to do it for the first time without having to fully commit to the class or anything like that. So, yep. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Very cool. So and then, uh, and then, then jumping into, okay, I did my, you know, I either want to take hunter education now or I've done my apprentice and yeah, this is cool. I want to do this. So again, like I said, Colorado has a literal army out there of hunter education instructors and numerous ways of doing that. And one is by a traditional class and what that looks like. Um, so a little different now because of the COVID situation the last 13, 14 months. Uh, most of it has been, if not all of it, to my understanding, has been um, online only. And I just noticed a note. All of hunter education can be done completely online, 100%. And I'll kind of explain what that means all the way up to a deadline of uh, May 15th, 2021. So um, what that means is going back to if we were doing a traditional class and having uh, people come in a classroom, they would spend a minimum of 10 hours in class split into two days or more. Um, I think it's sometimes it's like five and five or whatever the instructor sets up. And then there's a, a written test, a live fire exercise. So they'd actually go to a range and shoot the 22, um, you know, for accuracy and, and just kind of a safe handling of that gun to demonstrate to the uh, instructor that they, you know, they learned something in class. So that's all that in-person thing. So Colorado right now is allowing people to do everything online. So um, obviously no live fire exercise. So, um, hopefully a, a good trust factor that folks are really paying attention and will still continue to be safe. I feel confident so that they will be. Yeah. Um, 
but once we get back into the uh, being able to do the face-to-face, -face, um, you know, students can expect to maybe pay a cost up to $10. And really, that's not to make the instructors rich. That's really just to cover um, class materials that are handed out. So it's a pretty good deal on that, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then uh, there is an option to also do the Internet course which is what's going on right now. So everybody can do that 100%. But when we get back to some sort of normalcy, um, I'm sure the, the online class will, will continue. Um, and basically what this will look like after we get past that uh, May 15th we talked about is they'll still do um, four to six hours of, uh, well, they'll do their online and then possibly four to six hours yet to be done with an instructor in hand. So, or in person. So meaning they'll do a lot of the course studies online through video and stuff. And then they will still come in after that May 15th that I talked about for the written test live fire. And that could still be a cost of up to $10. So still, um, you know, making it convenient for the hunter um, or, or new hunter, uh, soon to be hunter is, uh, you know, making it as, as simple as possible, which I think is great. And well, I'm just kind of thinking about the time I took hunter education when I was a kid, uh, I did it in middle school and we watched a video <laughs> and, uh, it was actually John Wayne teaching us about gun safety. <laughs> I just kind of struck a little memory there. I thought that was cool. It'd be kind of fun to find that video and share that sometime with everybody to see it. But yeah. Anyway. Um, so that's uh, another option for folks. And, uh, I do want to pass along to, because uh, I know fall obsession, uh, a lot of my buddies, um, a lot of folks are just into this bow hunting, and uh, that's great. Colorado also has a bow hunter education class. Um, the one thing you should probably know about that is if you take the bow hunter class, which is not required in Colorado, okay. but it is an excellent course, and that one actually can carry a, uh, a fee, I think, up to $35. Um, sounds like there's some more additional materials involved in that. But um, if a hunter decides to go that route, that hunter education card is granted to them, and they can hunt with that as long as it's just bow hunting. Gotcha. Um, just to backtrack, if you have your firearm hunter education, that will cover you for both firearm hunting and bow hunting, uh, education, but, uh, or hunting, but, um, I think it's an excellent class and everybody that I know, uh, that went through it just had a, a great time doing it. So, um, again, you know, things are getting a little bit more normal and hopefully, uh, people can take advantage of some of these courses too, because I, I think they would just be outstanding on that. Absolutely. No, very good to know. Before we get too far away from it, and, and I know I'm backtracking a little bit here to the apprentice hunter certificate. Yeah. Because, but the, I just had this pop in my head. I, I know your familiarity is with Colorado, but to your knowledge, are there any other states that are doing a program like that? I thought I heard some others doing that, but um, I think really Colorado... Uh, has taken the foothold uh, on this and, and running with it. And, you know, I think with any new pilot program, um, others will see um, how, how it goes. Gotcha. So that, that might be the, what's happening now. Um, but again, uh, I, I guess I, I will be the first to say I, I had some hesitations about this. Um, you know, speaking of the, you know, 
dirty water and having to clean that sponge when they come in, um, you know, bad habits can be produced. But then, you know, I thought, you know, the more I thought about this, well, hunting accidents are way down. Parents and friends and relatives are great mentors for these kids and, and, you know, others. Um, so why not? Let's see what happens. And then, and, and actually from what I've seen, it's, it's worked out quite well. The funny thing is, is, uh, a lot of folks that, uh, were mentored, especially when it comes to spouses, um, husband and wife can be a great husband and wife, but, uh, it's kind of like a, uh, a quarterback can be a great quarterback, but a terrible coach. That's kind of the feedback I get about some of the husbands out there. So that's why that additional education, uh, learning from somebody else really steps up. And you know what, you, you, you fix that, they get a new education and they go right back to hunting with that spouse and they have a, you know, the time of their lives. I've just seen some wonderful, you know, photos of folks with their hunts together. And, but it, it's kind of funny. Um, not every great quarterback makes a, a great coach, you know, that's kind of how it, it plays out. Yeah, that's very true. So continuing to, to move forward. Um, I know you had some, uh, some safety statistics and stuff that you wanted to share with us as well. Yeah, Colorado, uh, actually on the Colorado Parks and Wildlife website, um, we actually have uh, data that's stored on there. And actually, I haven't looked at it in a long time, but uh, the data that goes, it starts in 1961, and this is um, dating from 1961 to 1969. In the state of Colorado alone, 91 fatal um, incidents happened uh, hunting. Um now, looking back on the history of what went on here, uh, Colorado actually began hunting or offering a voluntary hunter education in the 1950s. Now, again, that's voluntary. Gotcha. Um, but then once we these numbers started coming in, I mean, this is, you know, one death, I, I, I think everybody will agree that one accident is one too many, but 91 is a lot over that you know, nine year period. Um, so, you know, that's an average of 10 fatalities a year that nobody wants to see that in one state, let alone if you put all 50 states into this. So um, it looks like in uh, the in 1970, um, Colorado legislation took um, action. And with uh, then, I think it was Colorado Fish and Game came up with the um, hunter education course and passed that into law that it was a requirement in 1970. And so, you know, with that starting to happen, um, getting more and more people educated out there, uh, just kind of jumping through the years. But if we look at 1980 through 1989, the fatality incidents went down to 23. Well, that's, that's 2.3 year, uh, per year. That's, that's better, but it's not great. Yeah. But then we jumped down all the way to 2010 to 2015, uh, six incidents, and that's one per year. Well, again, it's still one too many as far as, you know, all of us are concerned. But in the grand scheme of things, I think it, it really points to proof that hunter education, getting everybody on the same page um, and really hammering that safety issue has made a huge, huge impact. Um you know, I'm looking at the fatal numbers. If you look at the non-fatal incidents, uh, the numbers are even, you know, from 1961 to 69, 218 incidents. I mean, somebody was hurt by the means of a firearm. Um, 
you know, 218 folks were, that was 24 per year and bring that down to 2010 to 2015, um, Injuries happening is 25, so 4.2. So the numbers don't lie. Um, it, it, it's making a difference. And, uh, you know, whether it's true or not, I, I actually think you could probably get hurt easier playing ping pong than you can um, the way we teach hunter education. And that's, you know, whether that's through your state agency and whether you follow that up going through a novice hunter program or you, you go on to somebody else. Um, I know everybody that I've ever talked to drills home safety, safety, safety. Um, if we get an animal in the end, well, that's the cherry on the top. But if we can go in, being safe, behave safe in the field and come out safe, that's a win for everybody. It's a great experience whether you get the animal or not, but you know, came out with a positive experience on that. Absolutely. So, Tony, I want to talk a little bit also about kind of the the next step beyond getting into hunting or taking your hunting hunter education course um, stuff like that going a little bit deeper into the educational side but maybe from the standpoint of somebody who's wanting to contribute more somebody who's wanting to be a mentor for these kind of hunts or and uh, you know taking a apprentice hunter out there for example stuff like that what 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 all's involved in in taking that next step going going a little bit farther well the next step is um you know hopefully you've got a great network um at home or in your community but uh, we know that's not always the case and um you know Sometimes uh, getting a different perspective other than from a family member or even a hunting, you know, somebody that's been hunting, it's a buddy of yours and he's bringing you on board, but maybe you're a bit intimidated with that individual. Um, You know, Colorado Parks and Wildlife, and I am uh, very aware of other states like Nebraska and and I think uh, Michigan and Missouri, a lot of these places are really stepping up and doing that hunter outreach. And that's really the next step. So you get your hunter certificate, uh, your safety card and uh, you just don't go out the door and go okay great I've got this and I buy a license to go hunt it, it's it's kind of intimidating you still got a lot to learn so Parks and Wildlife does have uh, a hunter outreach program and uh, just so you guys have it uh, easy to get to Colorado Parks and Wildlife it's easy to google that or it's cpw.state.co.us and they've got a great menu on there. There's things to do, learn. Uh, the things to do tab would be, um, you know, talk about big game hunting, how to purchase your license. But uh, the big one is learn. Uh, if you go to the learn tab on there, you will actually see the hunter education section on there. And you will also see the hunter outreach tab on there. And the hunter outreach tab, it, you know, in the beginning, I talked a little bit about that um, Uh, novice hunter program for pheasant hunting so you get a full day course you get uh, a a mentored hunt out of it and you get access to um, quite a few acres that you as that uh, graduate through that uh, gets to hunt now um, keep in mind that these these steps uh, for colorado these are for colorado residents only so uh, i really encourage you to reach out to your uh, states and see what programs they're offering, but I know they're out there. I, I really, truly do know that they're out there uh, coming for everybody. Now, if your state doesn't have it or you just need another source, 
Um, you know, I, I wish when I was younger, I had this network of uh, people to reach out to, but there's great conservation organizations out there. Um, I can't even name them all, but there's Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation. There's Pheasants Forever. There's Trout Unlimited, Ducks Unlimited. You know what? If you discover you love elk hunting, there's Rocky Mountain National, uh, Rocky Mountain uh, Elk Foundation for you. And uh, you're going to run into a whole mess of people that they just love 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 elk and elk hunting so uh great opportunities in that facet um and then uh you know i know with uh followed session sam i'll, I'll let you kind of fill in everybody a little bit on this but i know we are taking some bigger steps in and in, in doing education and uh i'm looking forward to be a big part of that along with our uh, state coordinator and uh it should be fun so uh, sam if you want to maybe touch a tad a bit on that well, it's there, there's going to be more to come, guys. We're, as you know, we have been, uh, as fall obsession, very cognizant and big proponents of youth hunting, educate, educating in the outdoor community in general, and uh, of course, supporting those who who are involved in conservation and stuff. Because uh, this is the future of hunting whether whether it's hunter ed and getting the next generation involved or we're talking about conservation um hunters themselves are the people who spearhead uh, wildlife conservation so very important in uh protecting the future of hunting in the outdoors um and we at fall obsession are wanting to be able to do our part to contribute to that so um, we're we're in discussions amongst ourselves and and trying to figure some stuff out for um, how we might be able to do more and and get some more uh, mentored hunts kind of at the helm of fall obsession or or programs or, or whatever it might be so um, we I, I don't have a a very formatted plan just yet to be able to actually present to you guys you know this is kind of a, a sneak peek preview type deal but um, definitely stuff to keep in mind because uh it's it's definitely something that we're wanting to bring to the outdoor community and and become more involved with in the future so this is everything that tony has talked about again while it's been relevant specifically to him in colorado as he himself has said there's every state has stuff like this it, it might you know certain programs or whatever might be called a little bit something differently or work slightly different but it's all there it, it is everywhere and um whether it's an organization like us or either just you as an individual getting involved in something like this it's it's very important and, and as i've mentioned several times now it's it's the future of the outdoors so it it's very important and not something to be overlooked uh, for sure <laughs> so yeah yeah well said sam um yeah and folks you know you're gonna i don't think i've met too many people that uh, didn't fall in love with the outdoors um i know as an instructor or a mentor um i've had youth on elk hunts and uh you know we would always have this you know sit down talk about what we're gonna do and and i remember um, a group of young girls on a hunt, and they just were not keen about pulling up a gun and on a, a cow elk and, and pulling the trigger. And uh, one of my little tips on that is, you know what, uh, I didn't expect it to turn every person I made contact into uh, a hunter. But uh, what I did with those youths is actually I'll give them a 35-millimeter a you know, disposable camera 
And I told him, I said, if, if you don't want to shoot that elk, that's fine. Nobody's going to pressure you to do that. But do me a favor, take a picture of it. Well, pictures came and all those little girls were the first ones to harvest that morning getting elk. <laughs> and uh, so it was really cool to see that uh, transformation. But not all of them would, would continue to be a hunter, but they knew um, what it was all about and what those dollars went to. And that's exactly what Sam reflected on is, you know, hunters are the conservationists of uh, the United States and, and that is super important. So guys, uh, if you're new to hunting or, or folks that are in hunting and you really want to give back, there is volunteer opportunities at the state level, numerous, I can't even count them all. And those uh, conservation organizations just love having volunteers to help grow all of their education programs. So, um, and we march forward with uh, the the message I want to leave with everybody, and let's just be safe out there, and let's keep this as let's keep this safer than tabletop tennis. I couldn't have said it better, man. Really appreciate you uh, you coming on this week, Tony, and and sharing this stuff with us, and kind of diving in a little bit more to the like I said, the outdoor education world, and hopefully encouraging some some folks out there to either get more involved themselves or if they know a youth or somebody else that is interested in it to get them out there as well. So, yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks for having me on, Sam. I had a great time this evening. Absolutely. Well, before we catch you loose, man, this is your, this is your first time on our fall obsession podcast. So in our, in our typical traditional sense, I got some closing questions that I'm going to hit you with real quick that we ask all of our first time guests, if you're good with that. Yep. Let's do it. So, Everybody has their own experiences, their own memories that stand out in their mind. Give us one of your favorite hunting memories to date that just, when you think of your favorite hunt ever, it comes to the forefront of your brain. Oh, it's my first bull elk. Um, It was me and my dad out on a a hunt. I think I was probably older than you would expect to finally get, you know, your first elk. I think I was... 18, 19 years old, but it was just me and my dad. We were um, by Granby, Colorado, which isn't too far from Rocky Mountain National Park. And uh, we were just on this wonderful hike. And then just out of nowhere, here comes this um, beautiful bull elk. He was a nice five by five. He looked much bigger than that at first to me, of course. But uh, um, I remember my dad talking to me, you know, to calm me down because he could tell my breath, you know, my breathing was going crazy. And <laughs> He calmed me down and I raised up on that elk and, and, and we got him knocked down. And, uh, my dad, my dad did everything right. And, and, you know, he always taught me all this stuff, but this was, this one really stuck with me. And he's like, you know what? You made the shot. Let's stay where you made that shot. I'm going to go down, I'll locate the elk. And he, you know, I stayed so we wouldn't lose sight of where the shot took place. We successfully retrieved the animal and got it out of there. And, and it was just a wonderful experience. And, and the experience hit me so big in camp i mean i'm like well this is my first bull elk and all i could think of is like what if this is my only bull elk ever well this is a nice five by five i have him mounted um in the house he's been with me for a long long time now um and and he's a great conversation piece and and that story goes on and on and and it's so funny when we get people come to our house that aren't those hunters because the favorite part of it is is when they ask me where I shot that moose or, <laughs> um, 
you know, I, I've got uh, family from France that came and wondered when uh, the deer become an elk in Colorado. And, and so it's just, it's just been a production of, of great conversations. So that's my greatest memory. I'll always hold that one. And I've, you know, told my kids that story probably countless times. Very cool. That, that's awesome. Very awesome to have a father-son memory, you know, as, yeah. as one of your favorites. I know I have several of those myself, so it's definitely something you don't forget. That's for sure. Yep, that's right. All right, second question I have for you. What is a uh, a bucket list hunt that you really want to do that you haven't gotten to do yet? Um, Boy, I've thought of that a lot. And uh, I think... South Africa has really got me uh, going. I just would really want to go on a, a hunt there, but I just mostly want to go there for the experience. A, a kudu would be great. And I would be one of those people. I'd have my gun in one hand and my camera in the other hand, because I would just be happy with whatever I got a, you know, a picture of. And, and hopefully it would be that kudu or whatever. But I, I think that's always the one that's really stuck with me is, is going on a South African hunt one day. Very cool. Awesome. All right, third and final question, and then we will conclude. Um, we've talked a lot about hunter education this evening. That That is the, the, the theme of this episode. Um, what is a piece of advice that you have? And I'm going to give us kind of a specific example here, but if, if somebody listening to this is interested in getting into hunting in the outdoors, but they don't necessarily have somebody close to them that that hunts or that can really take them out there or expose them to it. How do they get involved? Um, you know, that, that goes right back to, you know, getting that hunter education and reaching out through, um, you know, your state agency that has, you know, and I know a lot of them have, have those programs out there. Um, but you know, if, if it's something you're interested in and something that you can really meet some, uh, you know, salt of the earth people um you know those conservation organizations are just uh phenomenal now i know a lot of them are are virtual right now and that's okay um zoom conferencing just comb your hair and put on a nice shirt and <laughs> you know you'll meet some great friends and someday you know you, you all get to meet in person and uh, uh you know but take take it take take this experience take this um learning experience in baby steps um, never be pressured to do something you don't want. And, uh, and I think one more little piece that I'll add to this is, um, folks, you're the experienced hunter taking a new person out. Let's kind of look at, uh, uh, how we handle that. Um, maybe that new hunter can't do a 12 mile hike to pursue a, a ringneck pheasant. So let's, let's work at their pace. It's not important for you to get that bird today. It's important for them to have that positive experience. So, uh, you know, do that with your kids. Understand um, when you're getting them out there, it's not about you today. It's about them and making sure that they have a great experience from start to finish, whether that's eight hours in the field or that's two hours in the field. So find other ways to fill in uh, the slot when you've made that long journey out there and the hunt turns out to be two hours long because the little guy is, is exhausted. So, um, hopefully that answers that question with a little, with a little bonus on there, Sam. Perfect. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. Well, Tony, again, I appreciate you coming on this week and, and talking with me. I enjoyed it. Um, guys, if you guys have not already, 
go hit that follow and subscribe button on this podcast wherever you are listening to your podcast we are on all major podcast apps uh, as well as our website fallobsession.com and youtube make sure you subscribe to our youtube channel our website is our hub that's where you can find um, the majority of all of our content photos videos um, some of our mini series that we've come out with um, educational articles wild game recipes gear reviews we we got it all um, we're and as we previously mentioned we're wanting to get some more hunter education related content on there and get more involved in stuff like that um, and then also we do have uh, several resources on our website right now for um, some of the upcoming uh, draw application deadlines and and stuff like that so um, be sure that you guys check all that out a lot of good resources on there social media facebook instagram twitter like i said youtube go check us out on there and if you guys have not heard already a uh, little side note here we are doing a turkey hunt competition this year we're hosting one we have three different cash prizes um, going out to three different winners and it is possible to win more than one um, so we're doing two-man teams find you a hunting partner go to fallobsession.com all the info's on there and you guys can register from there um, even though turkey season has already started you can still get in on it so we still got uh we still got a month left in it plenty of time to go shoot a couple birds so tony thank you again sir i appreciate it thank you i had a great time yes sir me as well all right guys thank you all for listening and we will catch you guys again next week for another fall obsession podcast episode we'll see you later Mondays with Into the Blue, brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors. Every Monday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.